This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Welcome into the Go Vols 247 Game Day Podcast. I am Ben McKee, joined by Patrick Brown, ready to get you ready for Tennessee playing inside of Neyland Stadium later today against Austin P at 5 p.m. Eastern. It will not be on television, but it can be streamed on ESPN Plus and SEC Network Plus for all you smart folks out there. And for those who are a little confused, we do have a article up on the site explaining how you can watch it if you do need help. But Patrick and I are here to preview this game later today. And, and Patrick, I think first and foremost... It's just exciting for everybody, media, fans, players, coaches, just to get back inside of Neyland Stadium, one one of the best venues in all of college sports. Yeah, Ben, it's a it's a special venue. It's a special atmosphere, particularly now that Tennessee is is, is a top ten team. It seems to have it rolling under Josh Heupel. Um, you know, Tennessee will go for its its tenth straight win um, in the stadium. When you you know they ran the table last season, won all seven home games. They won the. Uh, Final two the previous season, so there's your math to get to nine. Um, you know, so uh, and last season we saw it really become a, an intimidating venue, uh, you know, like it was in the I don't want to say the olden days, you know, but during the heyday of the program in the '90s, it was, you know, it was daunting when you came to Neyland Stadium as a visitor. I mean, it was loud. Uh, the team was really good. The fans were on top of you, and um, you know, certainly a couple of teams uh, were were washed away in an avalanche of noise last season. Um, you know, it may not be super loud against Austin P, but um, anytime you can get into that stadium and play under the lights too, um, I think that's always a, an exciting atmosphere and a special atmosphere, and um, it's one that Tennessee has sort of used to its benefit under uh, under Josh Heupel during this sort of little resurgence here that, that this program has gone on. Absolutely, and and before we do continue with this conversation, do want to alert the good folks that we have a great interview coming right around the corner to wrap up this game day podcast. Brian Reeves, the 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 play by play man, the voice of the Austin P Governors football team there on the Governors Sports Network on ESPN Clarksville, he joined us for an interview and did a great job of breaking down this Austin P football team, breaking down the state of. Austin P athletics as well. They're going through a whole lot of transition right now. New ADs, new football coaches, new conferences, and, and he discussed it all with us. So uh, we will play that interview here in just a moment. But before we get to that interview with Brian Reeves, Patrick, I do want to get your thoughts on this football game. Uh, we'll, we'll start with how long 
should Josh Heupel play his starters? Because this is a game that if it goes according to plan, it should be out of reach for Austin P fairly quickly. It should be pretty non-competitive from a scoreboard standpoint. Are, are you playing your starters for a certain amount of time, no matter what, or are you basing how long they play off of the scoreboard? Well, I mean, you're you're gonna play it based off how how the scoreboard goes. Now, uh, ideally, I think you wouldn't play any any of your main starters a half at most, right? I mean, we saw last season against UT Martin that one got out of hand really quickly in the second quarter, and uh, you know Joe Milton was in the game in the second quarter. I don't know that the entire starting offense was out, but you know that that's where you, you saw a first change, and um, preferably when you get to the halftime locker room with your your Jabari Smalls, your Jacob Warrens, your your Jalen Wrights, you 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 tell them, hey, just go ahead and leave your helmet in here. You're not going back in the game. So uh, that would be ideal. Um, if Tennessee gets out to a fast start and it's 35 nothing in the second quarter, I think you could probably make the move. But um, and, and it's going to be position specific. You know, they're they're going to rotate a lot of guys on defense. So a lot of guys that would normally be in the rotation on defense, they're still probably going to get their snaps, even if they're playing in a 42-7 game early in the third quarter. That's just kind of how it goes. And then you would think later half of the third quarter, start of the fourth quarter would be empty the bench time. And and we've seen them really empty the bench and play the whole roster in a couple of these games over the last couple of seasons. So uh, that would be the, the ideal thing. You do have to see how the game goes. I don't, I don't think you're saying we're definitely putting Nico in, you know, late in the second quarter. I, I don't, I don't know that that necessarily is how it goes, but um, you know, I, I think that's something that they probably, the, the staff has a, a conversation about over the headset during the game and, and they kind of see how it goes on the scoreboard and how the performance goes and, and then go from there. Yeah, I, I think it's position based uh, and, and position specific. Right. If it's, if it's Aaron Beasley, if you're up 35, 40 points at the end of the first quarter, early second quarter, I'm pulling Aaron Beasley out right there. I mean, and there. You, there, there's and, some guys you, that may be on pitch counts that you're like, okay, this guy, we don't want to have to play him more than 25 snaps if at all possible. Absolutely. And like if if that is Aaron Beasley, I feel bad for Aaron Beasley because he worked his tail off all winter long, spring long, summer long, fall camp long to play in football games in the fall. And like part of me is like, man, that stinks to put up put in all that work and, and you don't get to go out there and and play. And this is supposed to be what is fun about playing college football. So I do feel bad from from that standpoint. But especially after the Keenan Peely injury, like he's a guy that you just cannot afford to lose. And if you lose him late in the game against Austin P, like you lost Cedric Tillman against Akron last season, I mean, I don't, I don't see how you could sleep with yourself at night because you left him in there too long. So I, I'm pulling Aaron Beasley first moment I can. And also, I know it's Austin P, but Elijah Herring, Arian Carter, all those other young linebackers that you're going to need to step up in place of Keenan Peely going down. You need those guys to get reps, in-game reps, just playing inside of Neyland Stadium, getting used to it more often. Uh, so I, I think it's position-specific because I'm pulling Aaron Beasley as soon as possible. But, like, I look at things offensively, and yes, that, that logic also applies to Joe Milton and, and some of those receivers, but you kind of see them not be on the same page in the opener, and it's like, well, maybe they should – play X amount of time to to try and iron out some of those kinks that appeared against Virginia that way that that they can possibly possibly be out of the way by the time you go to the swamp next Saturday night. 
Yeah, I think Dante Thornton Jr. is a, is a great example of maybe where you're getting at Ben, where he's a guy that that's new to this offense and, and needs reps in this offense. So he's a guy that, you know, he's not technically a starter, but he kind of is a starter because of, of the way that they kind of are approaching that situation uh, in the slot with him and, and Squirrel White. So um, he's a guy that may last a little bit longer. He he played well into the fourth quarter, uh, I think, last week too, just to just to get reps. I mean, um, he, he's a, a guy that is a junior and has played two years of football at Oregon, but you know, he's young in this system. And to your point at linebacker, I'm interested to see what, what the approach is there. Do they let Elijah Herring take all of the Mike linebacker reps just to get him comfortable getting the calls out, getting the communication part down, um, getting the, the front of line and all three levels sort of on the same page. Um, that's something that they've been kind of grooming him to do ever since he, he showed up on campus. So it's, it's not a question of, can he do it, but just to give him some, some reps in there, or do they let, you know, Aaron Beasley, get some, you know, cause he can work at Mike too. Do they slide him over to accommodate when Arian Carter plays and get him some work at Mike? They know he can. Um, and, and they're certainly believe that Elijah Herring can. So I'll be interested to see you know, kind of how they platoon there at linebacker as well. And, uh, and yeah, and then obviously everybody, you know, is going to be waiting and, and excited to see when Nico gets in the game, given that he got a, like a rousing welcome when he, when he went in the game in Nashville and people were chanting his name and ooing and eyeing at some of the plays he made. So, um, that, that'll be, uh, you know, if you're if you're Tennessee, you'd like to get this game over with early, and and that way you could get some of your your important guys in bubble wrap or on the sideline getting ready for Florida, and and get some of your end guys some experience that they may need down the road. And when Nico gets in there, let him operate the offense. Yeah, yeah, I think that you know we we had a question about um, you know, will, will Tennessee go score fifty or go for seventy? And I'm like. Um, for for most of the time that that they get the backups in, they're they're gonna let those guys run the offense normally. I mean, they're gonna want Nico to run with tempo. They're gonna want some of those young offensive linemen to get in there and and, and get you know run the offense with the tempo. And then maybe in the fourth quarter, if if you get to gas in more time, you'll probably slow it down then. But um, certainly, yeah, you, you Nico needs those reps probably more than anybody just because he's one snap away from having to go in in the swamp and and be the guy for this team. So you you want him to be as ready as possible and, and to get him ready. There's there's nothing like game reps, even a um, you know, Austin P may not be, you know, they're an FCS team, so it's not going to be the, the biggest challenge, but you know, they, they still have a game plan coming in. They'll throw different looks at you. And, um, that's something that, that could benefit him in the long run. Do you think they are still rotating at several positions along the offensive line because they want to rotate? So guys have versatility and can play different roles depending on situations that pop up throughout the course of the season. Or do you think that they are rotating because they are still unsettled on who their five is? Because I think it's they are unsettled on who their five is, and I think that they need to settle on five going into Florida next weekend. Because like John Campbell, he can't come out of the game at left tackle against the Gators. Yeah, I, I think it's position by position, Ben. I mean, I think at left tackle, you know, John Campbell is your guy. I think at left guard, you're still trying to figure that out. Is that going to be Andre Karik? Um, is Ollie Lane go back over there? Does he need any work? Um, if you're thinking Cooper Mace is going to be back against Florida and I Lane's going to be your left guard in the swamp, are you going to try to get him some work there this week? That's a question. I think he probably could use some work at center just because he's not played it a lot in a game and he'll get some. And, and the same goes for Dane Davis too. I think both those guys will continue to kind of have a, a two center system going there. Right guard, you know, Javante Spragans is your guy. They didn't rotate there. No need to. Uh, I think at right tackle, I think they're trying to figure out who, who's their best guy there between Crawford and, and uh, JJ Crawford and, and Gerald Mincy. Both those guys played there. Um, in the game against Virginia, Mincy also played on the left side. Um, but um, I, I think it's just a, a different sort of um, 
it's, it's different position by position because, I mean, in, in a game, if they go to Florida, I, I would not look for them to rotate at left tackle at Florida. That would be my thought. Um, <clears throat> that, that would be a position you could cross off. If, if Cooper Mays is back in that game, you're not rotating there. So that, that cuts down on your rotation too. Um, so I think left guard and right tackle are still sort of the positions where they're, they're trying to figure out who they're best, who, who is the best, who is the guy there that is, um, that makes you have your best five, if that makes sense, if I can <laughs> say it right. But, um, I think those guys are maybe still auditioning may not be the word, but sort of competing and, and trying to show that, that they're the answer there. And, um, I, I feel better about the right tackle situation. I think what those guys, I think they're kind of interchangeable. I, I, I think Mincy's probably the better player. Um, but I don't know that, that he's head and head and shoulders above what, what Crawford can give you. So, um, left guards, I think is, is a position that we've talked about on and, and off podcast this week about that's a position that they're still, I think, trying to f- figure out and shore up. And maybe that gets shored up when, when Cooper does come back and you can slide Ollie Lane over there. When you look at the offense as a whole, what do you want to see from the offense against Austin P? I, I think it's pretty simple because obviously there is a, a great discrepancy in physical abilities and, and just natural talent and athleticism. Like Tennessee has already won the matchup offensively against Austin P's defense before they even step foot on the field. Uh, there's a reason that these players are at Tennessee and those players are at, are at Austin P. It just kind of is what it is in that regard. But there are still things that I think can make you feel good if you're a Tennessee fan. If Tennessee checks off a couple of boxes, and to me those boxes are just simply – being where you need to be and executing the plays properly, responding to different coverages and things that the awesome P defense throws at you in, in the right way, because just reading between the lines, that seems to be what bothered the offensive coaching staff the most about Virginia and maybe what led uh, to that lull there in the first half against the Cavaliers is, is just, uh, Josh Heupel talking this week about not recognizing the coverage that Virginia was in or or not recognizing what you need to do because Virginia is doing that, those type of things. So just playing clean and, and operating the offense efficiently is something that you can absolutely do against Austin P. and that alone will be an accomplishment because you didn't necessarily do that in the first half against Virginia. Yeah, Ben, I, I think for the offense, it's three things in this game. I think one is clean, clean football. No turnovers, don't get any stupid penalties, no holdings, line up right. Don't go too fast where you get those those dumb, unnecessary five-yard penalties that set you back. Um, I, I think that's the starting point. If you're Joe Milton, don't put the football at risk. Don't throw into double coverage, things like that. Two, I think you'd like to see them be a little bit crisper in the pass game. Don't have any drop touchdown passes. Um, I, I, you'd like to see them, you know, when they get in a groove a little bit, they're kind of spreading the ball around. Maybe it's quick stuff. And, um, that's maybe sort of the unknown with a team like Austin P is you just don't know how they're going to play. I mean, we heard Ramon Keaton last week, say Virginia was going to play a lot of man. They're really aggressive. Then they come out and, and they're playing super conservative and trying to keep everything in front. So, you know, if, if Austin P is going to come out and, and try to be aggressive, then you're going to have chances to, to make the play to make plays down the field or if they come back and sit and, and, two high safeties and, and play six in the box. You're just going to run the ball on them all game. So um, that's sort of the unknown about Tennessee. And what's great about this offense is they can counter however you play them. Um, and I think the third thing is, is third down. Uh, Austin P was not very good on third down in their, in their opener uh, against Southern Illinois. Um, couldn't get off the field defensively. I think Southern Illinois had like a 13 play touchdown drive and a 14 play touchdown drive to start the game. 
Um, and, and in Tennessee's case, they've not been great on third down in these last three games with, with Joe Milton as the quarterback. So he likes a little bit more efficiency there with the first teamers. And, um, and, you know, ideally maybe you don't even run to run into that many third downs, but, um, those are, those are going to be got to have it situations down the road and, and some better execution in those moments, I think could be something that, that, that the staff will be looking for, uh, in this game. And defensively, obviously you want to play clean football on, on that side, as well, and and for me that that looks like no coverage busts and no missed tackles, no long runs because the the Austin P offensive line opened up a big hole up front. Just play clean, fundamental football. Operate the defense efficiently. Be where you need to be. Recognize what Austin P is kind of throwing at you. Uh, and if they throw something at you that you aren't expecting, adjust to it. So uh, clean football on that side of the ball is is what I want to see. And, you know, Tennessee did not force a turnover last weekend. So so maybe forcing a couple of turnovers in, in this game to get you ready for the swamp and SEC play would, would be a nice step in the nice step in the direction in that department. Uh, but aside from just the basic checklist to do list everybody's going to be watching the the linebackers feels like everybody was watching the linebackers last weekend against virginia uh, because there's there's a lot of youthful talent in that room but now with keenan peely being out there's certainly going to be a lot of eyes on that yeah and, and to your point ben talking about clean football you're going to have a, a potentially a new signal caller in there for part of the game with elijah herring so you you want to make sure that you know any coverage bus or, or any guys out of gaps uh, in the run aren't a, aren't a result of, of communication, uh, a communication mix up. So um, that's going to be something to watch in this game. Uh, I think you made a great point on turnovers. That's something that Tennessee did not do last week. This is a defense that I think what they're second in the SEC in, in turnovers last season. So um, you know, you'd love to see them make a couple of those plays uh, in, in this game. And I think you want to see the defensive line continue to, to play relentless and, and disrupting and uh, on the other sideline of scrimmage and, uh, as you touched on for the second, third levels, guys in position, you know, um, to, to make plays on, on the football in the secondary, you got to be in good position. We saw that a couple of times against Virginia, um, you know, for, for the linebackers to, to make a, you know, make a play on a sweep or on a bubble screen, you got to be in the right position to, to get out there and, and show your range and your ability and, and, and space. And, you know, those, those are things that I got to happen to in this game. So um, I think there's, uh, as Josh Heupel likes to say about these kind of games, it's about what Tennessee does. It's not about the opponent. Um, and so, you know, the result is probably going to be lopsided. I think we all can expect that. But uh, from Tennessee's standpoint, you want to see them do the things that good football teams do um, and, and maybe do some of the things that they didn't do as well in the first game better in this game. Uh, and some of that stuff can can come independent of, of who you're playing. And on special teams, you, you would really like to, to see a nice step forward there. Uh, you'd like to see Jackson Ross get back to being the Jackson Ross that has been talked about all offseason long and, and kind of what they are expecting from him this season. Now, I worry if he's even going to get opportunities to punt the football, <laughs> which are you, are you saying they should a, punt on third down maybe later in the uh, game? Maybe. Little Johnny, little Johnny Major <laughs> shout out there. Maybe that that way he's he's not getting back into the thick of things in the swamp next weekend and in prime time under the lights. Uh, getting Charles Campbell a field goal attempt or two after not kicking one last weekend would would be nice. Uh, now the good news is that Josh Turbyville, the kickoff specialist, I think he's going to get plenty of opportunities to just boom boom him through the end zone. Uh, so getting him 
ironed out as well going into to that Florida game because I don't really think it's going to be a close game, but it wouldn't be super surprising if it is a close game in the Swamp. It is on the road after all. It's a night game. Uh, yes, again, I don't really think that it'll be the greatest environment ever or, or that uh, Tennessee uh, is going to lose or anything, but you just never know. It's an SEC road game against one of your rivals on the road, and it could come down to a special teams play. So D. Williams securing the football, Josh Turbyville not giving the opponent extra yardage, Jackson Ross not shanking a football 17 yards twice. That could be the difference in a, in a road game in the Swamp. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if you're going to live with giving your opponent good field position, you're, eventually you're going to die, probably. Um, you may be able to get away with it against the Virginias and the Austin Peas of the world, but when you get an SEC play, those teams are are, are good enough to, to punish you. So um, even even if you want to say some of the teams in the lower half of the league. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, no shanked punts, no kickoffs out of bounds, no turnovers on, in the return game, no penalties. Uh, you know, you don't need a hold or block on the back or any of that. Um, th- those are all things you, you want to see from from the kicking game in, in, in this contest on Saturday. Absolutely. And we will have plenty of coverage on Saturday up at GoVols247.com. You can follow me on Twitter at BitMcKee14 for constant updates throughout the game and post-game and even pre-game. Uh, Patrick, how can people follow you and your work? Yes, uh, I'm at pbrown247 on Twitter. Uh, I don't really tweet very much during the game. Uh, I find it distracting, oh, to be honest. Um, but I will be uh, in, in our game thread on the checkerboard on govals247.com. Uh, so our, our subscribers will definitely see me. And uh, I'll have instant takeaways. They should be very instant if this game goes as expected. Um, but <laughs> that will be some of the initial reactions from what we see uh, from Tennessee in its second game of the season. Absolutely. But before we get to Saturday, before we get to kickoff later on this evening, we are going to sit down and chat with Brian Reeves, the play-by-play man for the Governor's Sports Network on ESPN Clarksville, the voice of Austin P. Football. He's coming up here on the GoVols 247 podcast on the other side of this break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back into the Go Balls 247 podcast. I am Ben McKee, and here in a moment, I'm going to be joined by Brian Reeves, the voice of the Governor's Sports Network there in ESPN Clarksville, the play-by-play man for Austin P. He's going to give us some insight on the Governors ahead of Saturday's game 
Uh, but before we get to Brian, do want to encourage you to go like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you do get your podcast. We at GoVols247 would greatly appreciate that. And now to the more important things, like Brian Reeves himself. Brian, how are you? Appreciate you taking time out of your day to to, to fill us in on all things Awesome P football. Ben, great to be with you. Appreciate the invite. Looking forward to headed to the hill on Saturday. Absolutely. Now, I, I want to go a little off the beaten path. Not not too much, ju- just a little bit. Not strictly um, Awesome P football, but do want to talk about Gerald Harrison, uh, the director of yeah. athletics, the AD there at Austin P. Uh, who is from these neck of the woods and in terms of having spent many years over here at the University of Tennessee. Can you just speak to to his impact on, on Austin P there uh, in his first couple of years of being AD? Well, as a lot of folks that listen to your podcast will know him as Coach Fulmer's right hand for a lot of years and uh, worked in that athletic department and brought a lot of what he learned from uh, Knoxville and from his time at Duke uh, to us here in Clarksville. And it's been a... Uh, Extreme pleasure to get to know Gerald and his family and work with him. Uh, he is forward thinking. He is not afraid to push the boundaries and uh, maybe upset the apple cart a few times too as well to get to where he sees what can be from an Austin P athletic department. Uh, the biggest compliment I'll pay Gerald is, yes, he's a football guy. There's 100% without a doubt he's a football guy. But every sport gets his same attention. I don't care if it's men's and women's cross, cross country. I don't care if it's the tennis program, if it's track and field, softball. Everyone gets his attention. And, and, and every department and every sport can tell they've had an upgrade, whether it be through coverage, whether it be through the facilities they play in or work in or work out in or at the academics that they can rely on. Um, it, it, he has pushed the envelope here at Austin P, and we are reaping the benefits of that and of his hard work. We were talking before, and, and you told me that you grew up in Clarksville. You graduated from Austin P. Just how, how would you assess the the current state of Austin P. Athletics? Seems like there's been a lot of growth uh, within recent years, especially moving from the Ohio Valley Conference to the ASUN Conference uh, last summer. It is an almost unrecognizable department compared to what I grew up with, went to school with. You know, this uh, there's no no hiding the fact that this has been a basketball school for years. You go back to the 70s and Fly Williams. You go to the success uh, of the late 80s and 90s with names like Bubba Wells and Trenton Hassel. And, and now you get to uh, the program as it is moving into a brand new arena off campus. And you see the community sport for that, which a lot of folks are scared at, at our level to get off campus. But uh, we're striking out and opening up f and Bank Arena this, this coming fall with the men's and women's basketball program. So it, it's unrecognizable from what I first remember as a child. But again, as a student, uh, as now an alumnus and now uh, a so-and-so employee of the university, uh, it, it, it's, it's almost unrecognizable. But for someone coming in new to us, uh, they're coming in at one of the most fruitful times of our history. And from the outside looking in, you mentioned it kind of being viewed as a basketball school, Austin P. Uh, but from the outside looking in, again, it it, it seems like uh, Will Healy w- was able to help get the the ball rolling in the right direction with the football program, and it's kind of taken off since Will got to Austin P. And then obviously he he did leave for Charlotte. 
But how much did Will Healy's impact kind of maybe get the, the ball moving in the right direction for football? A hundred percent. And I, I, I tell folks, and, this, and it's the truth, for the first three years that I was fortunate enough to be the play-by-play voice for football, I didn't call a victory. You know, we own the nation's longest losing streak. Uh, luckily, we got that broken, uh, thanks to Coach Healy and his staff and those recruits. And uh, now there's some other folks that have that title, and, and I wish them very, very well. Uh, but you're right. It, it was the Healy effect. And and the Healy effect is 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 what I call a, a youngster going into a home. And, you know, recruiting used to be about locking in with the mother and father. Now it's more locking in with the student athlete and then letting the mom know that that young man's going to be or young lady's going to be taken care of and uh, and what's going to happen for them while they're on campus as much as what they'll enjoy at campus. Uh, and I think Will started that and, and and maybe took some chances on some guys that really paid off. And then when Will left, uh, you know, Coach Hudspeth came in, made that run through the 2019 Ohio Valley Conference Championship, made it to the quarterfinal round of the FCS playoffs. Um, he moved on. And now with Coach Scotty Walden entering his fourth season, again, it's that youthful energy. It's that young coach that can go in and identify with the player maybe more than the elder statesman coach you see it with Heupel as well I think I, I think his energy and and youthful enthusiasm locks in more with today's athlete um you know I won't call it the coach prime effect because I think it's been there long before Dion ever tried it but I think that's exactly what we're seeing is we're identifying and connecting with younger athletes and the quality of student athlete across the board not just football but across the board coming to Austin P is is a higher level of talent than we've seen I was going to ask you next about Scotty Walden. He's in his fourth season now, 17 and, and 12 overall at Austin P. What has the early years of his tenure been like? How, how would you assess where uh, the football program is right now? You know, it's an oddity. He's in his fourth year, but fifth season. Thanks to the FCS playing that spring season, it kind of throws it throws everything off when you start talking like that. Uh, Scotty's been a uh, a continuation of that energy. Um, a, a young man who played the quarterback position, is an offensive-minded guy. Um, His philosophy has never, you know, it doesn't matter if we're playing Tennessee or Tennessee Tech or Tennessee High School. His philosophy is going to be the same. He's going to do the same approach no matter who he's playing and who's across the line from him. Uh, And his players appreciate that. And I think that's been kind of the approach that we've taken uh, last week, and I know in practice this week about you know trying to take the pressure off and have some fun. You know, we're going to the hill on Saturday, knowing that uh, there's a lot of pressure, but none of it really lies on the red, white, and black. You know, we, we have to go out there and just cut it loose and play with a, a little bit of reckless abandon and have some fun. And um, you know, it, for 38 guys on this roster that are Tennessee kids that are Tennessee product, they get to go play where. You know, we grew up with, I'm a Tennessee kid at heart, and I grew up with the orange and white. I know exactly what it means to walk onto Shields Watkins Field and into Neyland Stadium and and know what to, to hear that voice and to, uh, just to, to see that sight and sound. He knows it too, and he's going to let these guys be students and, and be fans first. You know, we talked about it during his coaches show this week. They're going to go walk through on Friday, and his first part of walkthrough is for every kid just to walk out there Take 30 seconds, take a deep breath, and just take it all in. Don't be a football player. Don't be an Austin P. governor. Just be a football fan and know what that mecca means, whether it be the end of last season we played at Alabama two years ago and we opened the season at Georgia, to, to know what that means to you as a football fan first, to be in those shrines 
uh, and we'll get that out of the way, and then we'll cut it loose and play a little football on Saturday. Absolutely. I love that mindset. That That is one of the unique parts, aspects of these interstate games, even if it is uh, Austin P or Tennessee Tech or, or any in-state school, MTSU, the, the roster is constructed by so many Tennessee kids that probably – a good chunk of them grew up Tennessee fans and, and for them to have the opportunity to play inside of Neyland stadium uh, is very, very cool. And I'm sure yourself is excited to uh, call a game where John Ward w- was able to call games as well. So th- that does put a unique and very fun spin on this weekend for Austin P obviously start the season off with a loss to Southern Illinois. What were the, or what are still the expectations kind of going into this season? Uh, and then also what went wrong at Southern Illinois last season or last week, I should say. Sure. You know, expectations are that we return nine offensive starters. Uh, the problem was, and what we saw Saturday was the two starters that are missing were both starting wideouts on the opposite side. Uh, and so we just have to get some consistency. There's guys that have been in this program Names like Cam Thomas, which I know you'll hear, Trey Goodwin you'll hear on Saturday, have been in this program, have gotten reps and snaps and series, but they've never been, you know, option one and option two in the offense. It's just, so they've got to learn that, you know, there's so much talk about chemistry between that wide receiver position and the quarterback position. What, what really was our undoing Saturday was we went against a Southern Illinois team with a brand-new defensive coordinator uh, and really had – tried to do some research of how he was going to come out, what fronts he would use, uh, and we could, just couldn't get the run game going. He he used some different run fits against us, and I think maybe we were ready for. Um, and then we became one-dimensional after going down by two scores. Uh, and then the passing game, you know, we, you, you throw for 214 yards. So it, we, we just couldn't get the run game going to make them play honestly defensively against us, and that was the biggest uh, – a biggest detriment to ourselves. It was 14 nothing, and then within a three-minute span, we fumble on the 21 and give them a short field to score. The very next series on the third play, we throw an interception for a pick six. So within that three minutes, it's a 14 nothing just just like that to add to it. And uh, we, we just couldn't fight back without having a balanced offensive attack. On the offensive side of the ball, do you expect those receivers to, to be back this weekend? And can you kind of give us a scout on QB1? Yeah, QB1, Mike DeLillo, a guy who's in his second year running this offense, throws for over 2,400 yards a season ago, uh, over 4,000 in his career, 37 touchdowns. Uh, Mike's a guy who is as smart as he is athletic. And sometimes when you say a player is intelligent, it's it's a detriment or maybe a knock, but that's not the way with with quarterback one, number 12 for us. Mike's a guy who uh, will take his second and third read. We'll dump down and take the check down and keep the chains moving and try to keep the chains moving. He's also got good wheels. So if there's an alley that presents itself, he's, he doesn't mind squaring those shoulders up and, and trying to pick up yards with his feet as well. So DeLillo has been a, a quality start. And again, with a head coach who also was a quarterback, uh, they are speaking each other's language. You know, there was a time they both talk about it through the last couple of games, the season ago where you know, Mike would almost call the play to the sideline instead of the sideline calling it to him because they were in such rhythm. They knew exactly what their philosophy was. The game plan was developed enough where they were on the same sheet of music, if you will. Uh, so having DeLillo back for that second year has been quality. And the first part of your question, yeah, I, I fully expect a bounce back from Cam Thomas, uh, Trey Goodman, uh, Kenny Odom, a young man from Savannah, Georgia, a uh, redshirt freshman who set out last year, who's bouncing back this year. 
Um, Tay Gaden, a young man from uh, Louisiana who's been had an electrifying camp, just didn't get the snaps last week. But I fully expect that, yes, we're going to be an undersized receiving core compared to the orange and white come Saturday. But I expect those guys to be ready to fight. And then on the defensive side of things, who are some key players that Tennessee fans need to be aware of? And, and what style of play do the governors play on that side of the ball? Well, we're an odd man front. We'll be a three-man line. We'll creep up a backer or a bandit, if you will, to almost make it look like a four-man front a lot of time. But this defense is built about around the linebacking core. And the three main guys you're going to talk about are Jose Nicely, a young man from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, Tyler Long, who just transferred to us uh, from Norfolk State. His brother, David Long, former Tennessee Titan, now with the Miami Dolphins. And then Sam Howard, a young man from Birmingham, Alabama, uh, who is finally healthy in his redshirt junior season. He's had some neck problems and other things that have cost him games. He only played in three games a season ago. But Sam's the alpha of this defense. Big number four will be the captain of that defense. You'll see him talking to everybody, putting people in the right position. Um, our three down linemen don't get a lot of credit, don't get a lot of numbers, but they occupy that front so those linebackers can roam sideline to sideline. So Knifley, Long, and Howard are the names you'll hear the most come Saturday on that defensive side. We know what kind of game Saturday evening is is likely going to, to bring, but I'm sure Austin P still would love to to check off several boxes in terms of things they want to work on on Saturday. What do you think a successful Saturday for Austin P looks like outside of a win? Uh, getting out of there healthy, first and foremost. We know that next the next week we get to East Tennessee State coming to us and we get back to FCS football, and that's where really where we start. Making, you know, with our subdivision, we get a chance to qualify for playoffs, and and, and that's where the season really starts for us. And that's no no disparagement towards Southern Illinois or towards Tennessee this week. That's just really where our focus is because that's what we build towards. You know, I understand Tennessee's building towards making that final four, making that playoff push. Um, I, I want to see us get a run game going. I, I want to see, and I know with the defensive front and the talent that's there defensively in the orange and white, I still want to see us fight and get a run game going. I don't care if it's between the tackles. I don't care if it's off the corners and the edges uh, or if it's in the option game from the, from the read option that we will run. Uh, I, I want to see us stick to it and pound it. And I, I thought we got away from it a little too early against Southern Illinois, so I want to see us stick to that. And then defensively, again, I know we're going to be undersized, uh, but I don't want to see us give up the easy. I want to make sure that Coach Heupel and those volunteers come Saturday afternoon when the final whistle blows know they played a football game and and respect the competition and the quality of competition across the line from them. Us East Tennesseans have have seen UTC and ETSU recently uh, be in the playoffs. Yes. Uh, and obviously football fans within inside the state, a good chunk are Tennessee volunteer football fans, but they also uh, like to pay attention to the FCS schools within, within the state and, and the in-state schools, maybe other than Vanderbilt or Memphis if you're a Tennessee fan. But uh, what, what's kind of the outlook on Austin P potentially making those FCS playoffs this season? Again, if the offense comes around as to what we saw last year in a 7-4 and four season and we thought we had a legitimate uh, opportunity to get into the playoffs, uh, afterwards we were left out and we were told we were one game short and that was a game that we dropped at Central Arkansas. We closed the season this year with Central Arkansas. So you know, the opportunity is right there in front of us once we get through, like I said, this week and get back to that level FCS field. 
you know, we, as, as you said, we left the Ohio Valley Conference, joined the A-Sun, and we are still proud members in the A-Sun in every sport except football. This season, we've had to go to what's called the United Athletic Conference. Um, with Jacksonville State and Liberty going up to FBS level, that left us with just four football-playing schools. And, of course, the FCS committee would not recognize forced teams uh, to get an automatic bid, so we had to find a dance partner. And luckily, we went out west and found uh, Utah Tech and Southern Utah and uh, Stephen F. Austin and, and created the United Athletic Conference. It makes for a much different travel schedule, let me tell you, than <laughs> what we're used to. Uh, but it still gets us that automatic qualifier. It still gets us quality level of competition. We're picked third in that league uh, behind Central Arkansas, behind Eastern Kentucky, a longtime foe for us with EKU. Um, but quality football, and, and we've already seen uh, Southern Utah take Arizona State to within a score of the opening weekend back in week zero. So we know the quality of competition that's in the UAC. We expect what we know from our uh, previous dance partners with, uh, as I said, North Alabama and Central Arkansas and Eastern Kentucky. I think there's quality football. I think there's quality football in the red, white, and black in Austin P uh, to make a legitimate bid and run to make an FCF playoff spot. Well, that that's pretty crazy to hear. Obviously, everybody always hears about the realignment talk at the yeah. D one level and and the Power Fives, SEC, Big Ten, now the ACC, and and then Pac twelve that pretty much no longer exists was the talk of the summer. But you don't really hear about the ramifications on the lower levels because of what the the top levels are are doing. So very interested and very intriguing to to hear what all you all are having to to deal with uh, the, yeah, this it, summer to make do. It's the nature of the beast of the game we all love. You know, as you said, there's so much movement at FBS that, again, that presented opportunity for a Liberty and a Jacksonville State to move up. So that opened holes and opened doors. You know, we have a team uh, that'll join the UAC next year in uh, Rio Grande Valley who is doesn't even have a football team, as we say. And they're literally starting that program this year wow. and then we'll compete next year. So that that's what you're going to see more and more of uh, movement from either – NAIA schools that will come up or folks that will start their own programs. Uh, and, and that's what, unfortunately, is what we're going to become to be, to add to conferences. You know, there's a lot of talk with everyone uh, of realignment. I'll throw my personal opinion out there. I think within the next six to eight years, there will only be four major conferences. And I'm not sure the NCAA will exist anything other than a March Madness sponsor. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting, very turbulent times for those of us that are college football fans. Absolutely. And I, I tend to agree with you. It, it's just wild times right now in, in college athletics. Before I get you out of here, I, I do want to ask you your thoughts on, on Tennessee, having grown up in the state and, and keeping an eye on Tennessee from afar. Uh, just your thoughts on, on Josh Heupel's magical run last season and, and, and your thoughts on what they can possibly do this season. You know, we, we've seen what Coach Heupel can do at Oklahoma. We, we, we've seen him carried over here to the impact he had on Hinden and now making his way to Detroit now with Joe Milton getting back behind center. Uh, you know, I love Jabari small, um, Wright's another great runner back there as well. Um, and, and even this defense, I mean, we saw the defense last week against Virginia, whatever that Virginia team was, uh, you know, when you can go get sacks that early against a team that, you know, you're prepped for that defense was just flying around. Uh, I'm thoroughly impressed. You know, I, I, again, except for this one week, you know, we're going to root for Tennessee. We're going to be Vols fans uh, and hope they do well. You know, I can remember we were actually on a basketball trip last year uh, during the bowl game. 
But luckily, our tip was early enough that we got back by the second quarter, and we're, we're all wa- sitting around watching football after a, a basketball contest. So uh, I, I've been thrilled to watch the way he's he's brought this program back again after a very tumultuous time. Um, I will tip my cap to Danny as well for leading this athletic program through what the NCAA uh, could have been a lot worse. Uh, so I think that was his openness and uh, forward thinkingness uh, that kind of got. Tennessee through that. Um, but you've got to love, if you're a Vol fan, you've got to love where you're setting and, and what lies ahead. You're already seeing uh, the benefits come through in the recruiting. You're already seeing the the portal being used to the way it was meant to be, I think, at Tennessee to get you three or four instead of, you know, 74 like somebody did in Colorado. But uh, it, I just like the way he's doing it because it still leaves a Tennessee fan proud uh, to say they're a Tennessee fan, to wear their orange because it's getting done the right way. Absolutely, and and I lied. I got one more question for you as I sit here sure. and look at your your bio. Your son's name is Knox. My son's name is Knox. He is actually a freshman at Austin P, working in the athletic department. Uh, he'll be on the field taking photographs come Saturday, so he's elated. Uh, and yes, no, I, he was Knox obviously before Lane stole the name for his son. But uh, yeah, Knox is a family name. It's not Knoxville. That, that, a lot of folks ask me that, but. Uh, it's a family name that goes back many generations. So, but, uh, uh, but yeah, he, he, there's a little orange and white in his wardrobe as long as, as, as much as there is red and white. I, I like it. And the reason I ask, my son is Knox. Uh, he, oh, okay. He's uh, 13 months old. And since my wife and I started our life here in Knoxville after I graduated from UT, we said, you know what? Why don't we, we couldn't agree on a boy name? So we, we always kind of liked the Knox and, and, and kept it in the back of our minds. And, when we couldn't agree to to a different boy name, we said, why don't we just roll with Knox? So that's why I ask. It, it's a good, strong name. Ben, I know you probably grew up with four or five different Bens or Benjamins. I grew up in a school with eight different Brian's, so we all had nicknames. So everybody didn't look when somebody said Brian. So I wanted something strong and different. And, uh, you know, we'd done the family tree and the family history, and that name just stuck with us. And, uh, um, yeah, I'm proud, proud to have him. And, uh, you know, as a proud dad as a, of a college freshman, Glad to have him on this road trip and join this athletic journey with me as well. Absolutely. Well, Brian, I, I look forward to, to seeing you uh, on Saturday evening and, and shaking your hand. And, and we greatly appreciate you spending some time out of your day to, to chat with us and, and fill us in on Austin P football. Hey, glad to do it. Appreciate the invite, Ben. Anytime I can be with you, I appreciate that. And for and as you said, all you Vols fans that look for that second team to root for, keep the red, white, and black in the back of your mind and because we've got the best cheer in college athletics. Let's go, Pete. That, that that is for sure and and i'm sure many tennessee fans will certainly be keeping an eye on Austin pete throughout the football season and, and rooting them on uh, as well he is brian reeves the voice of the governor sports network there on espn clarksville we greatly appreciate brian joining us and for patrick brown earlier in the podcast i am ben mckee this has been another edition of the go balls 247 podcast there's that button and now i can say Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. 
interesting. Uh, but if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.